we are in the condition we are in, in the state of ignorance we are in, in the state of war, in the state of economic depression, in the state of depletion of the resources of our planet because of the greed of psychopaths who thought they could create their own reality. Well, look at the reality they created. You're listening to The Truth Perspective on the Soft Radio Network, the world for people who think. Today is Saturday, January 23rd, 2016, and welcome back to another installment of The Truth Perspective, everyone. I'm your host, Elon Martin, and with me in the studio today are SOT editors Harrison Kelly. Hi, everyone. Shane Lachance. Hello. And William Barbet. Howdy, everyone. We're happy to have back with us today Joachim Hagopian. Joaquim's insightful analysis can be found on his blog, American Empire Exposed, as well as his regular contributions to SOT.net. He is also the author of a manuscript entitled Don't Let the Bastards Get You Down, which is an account of his experiences as a West Point graduate and former U.S. Army officer. He has also worked as a licensed therapist in the mental health field for nearly 25 years. Welcome, Joachim. It's good to have you back with us here. Good to be here. Great. So, um, I thought we might start today's show by discussing the migrant crisis. Um, First of all, are you hearing me okay? Yeah, everything's fine. Excellent. Well, a few months ago, it seems that the whole world was up in arms about the tragedies we were seeing when refugees were attempting to find safe haven and dying in large numbers. And now it seems that the tide has turned and the sentiment has turned against the refugees. Today, we're reading stories about Denmark, Germany, and other places that are presenting an almost Nazi-like quality uh, with their new proposed legislation regarding governments taking uh, what the refugees own to some extent before providing them with any monetary assistance. So I'm just wondering what your thoughts are about that and how much of what we're seeing is by design, and if so, why? I think all of it is by design. I think the oligarchs have... Uh, contrive uh, terrorists out of thin air, just like they make fiat money out of thin air. Uh, they contrive the wars in the Middle East as out of thin air, basically. Um, they've exploited the divide and rule principle that has uh, allowed them to take control for centuries at a time. And the byproduct, obviously, of the chronic and unending wars in the Middle East and North Africa is this uh, manufactured crisis of uh, all these refugees, millions of refugees pouring in across the border and seas into Europe, and um, they're coming to America as well. Um, And uh, it's by contrivance to stir up basically uh, race wars, religious wars, class wars, you name it kind of wars amongst the people. 
Uh, there are a lot of angry people in Europe right now feeling like they don't have their country anymore. It's been radically and probably forever changed now, um, especially, uh, you know, some of the nations that have not uh, had much in the way of refugees or, or people from other countries coming into the country. They've uh, had homogeneity in their ethnic uh populations and they're seeing that it's now completely been shattered and they don't have a, a cultural identity intact anymore. And and so, you know, I mean, they have rightful uh, grievance uh, that the, the oppressors, quote, uh, as the uh, globalists, are, uh, you know, radically changing for the worse their own country. Uh, not to mention the strain on, on the socialism uh, government, or, you know, having all these handouts that they have to provide for these people in a humanitarian way um, when they don't have money. Everything, everything is bankrupt. This is like the, the EU and all these countries in Europe are, are bankrupt. There's a run on the bank in Italy, the main bank in Italy now. Um, it's really dire. And the timing of, of this migration crisis on top of the, the uh, house of cards, the Western economy, it's like, it's like the, almost like the, the last straw that's going to make the house of cards fall down. Um, yeah, I think totally by design. And the, we're seeing that, you know, especially with the, and we don't know, you know, it's, it's hard to exactly know the truth because, you know, from all the angles between MSM and alternative, it's really hard to know. But as what's being reported, and, and there's, I guess, a kind of a consensus of what we think we know, uh, apparently there was high-influence uh, events that took place, I guess, on New Year's Eve um, and New Year's um in Europe, in, in, in you know certain cities like Cologne, with uh, you know the whole rape incident, uh, uh, you know I, I, I guess we can attribute some of it probably, but you know it's hard to know exactly how much is being fabricated uh, and how much is mm -hmm. real. But the, what we do know is real is that it's turning people against each other, and, and there's there's going to be uh, probably a lot more violence uh, in the coming months. In, in years ahead, uh, I have friends in Germany, and, and my friend is saying Germany is no longer Germany. Uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's completely radically changed now. So, yeah, it's, it's a dire circumstance that's only going bad to worse. So, when uh, when you say that your friend mentioned that Germany is radically changing, is it is it mostly like the the social environment uh, where you know people are just Riled up in this fervor, or are like uh, is you seeing also the the changes from from the government? Uh, can you elaborate on that at all? Yeah, he he basically is seeing that the day to day life has changed. Uh, there's there's a, a sense of distrust amongst the population, one citizen to the next, and and uh, and, and a complete uh, chasm of distrust with the government. There, there's a lot of blame towards the government for allowing this. Uh, and obviously the, the leaders of, of those governments were basically uh, basically dancing to the marching 
tune in the marching order of the global earth to accept this vast amount at such a overwhelming rate. You know, I think a million uh, in the last three months, I think, came to Europe. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're seeing the repercussions of the population now that, that's in complete turmoil. And, and, uh, and, and you know, it's not going to – you can't put the Humpty Dumpty back together again, you know. So it's, it's going to be radically different for Europe and the people there. Um, I, I hope there's uh, a degree of assimilation that will, you know, kind of like – diffuse some of the tensions and conflicts and, and, and uh, hopefully prevent some violence. But, but uh, I don't know. It's not looking that way. And, the, and then there's, of course, a, a kind of like a political right-wing movement to kind of take back their country and, and rail against the, the newcomer. And, and, uh, and there's a lot more people jumping on that bandwagon right now in Europe. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, it's a bad situation getting worse. And we're going to see some of that here. It's obviously not to the same level, but, but we're going to see, um, see it in the United States, too. Well, it does seem you know, like a, a perfect storm. You know, you had, um, you know, Europe is in such an economic crisis, and, you know, what a perfect way to direct people's frustration um, by bringing in, you know, have, having the blame put on all these refugees. Yeah, yeah, very, very convenient scapegoat. Well, moving on to another uh, topic, uh, Joaquin, you've written a lot about the Transatlantic Trade and Investment Partnership as well as the uh, Trans-Pacific Partnership, the TTIP and the TTP, as they're better known. Yeah. um, Yeah. Well, many of us know um, what they're about and what they're designed to enable. Uh, We've talked about it here a number of times as well. Um, You once wrote in one of your pieces, fortunately, WikiLeaks managed to intercept limited portions of TPP to gain a glimpse at its ambitious aim to codify new world order into supreme law. Some of the concealed fine print spells a foreboding blueprint for setting back both human rights and workers' rights for centuries, plunging us into another dark-aged feudalism. Is it really as bad as all that? It is, isn't it? I wouldn't have said it unless I believed it. Uh, yeah, I, I think uh, it's very foreboding. I mean, it, it's exactly what the globalists wanted. Uh, it's the one grand giant step closer to to the world governance of, of a one world tyranny, one government tyranny. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I think uh, they've been shooting for this for a long time, and, and it's... Uh, Within their grasp, if these if these uh, treaties get passed, I, I think it, it's pretty much a done deal. Um, at least we can slow down this this uh, this process. If don't uh, get ratified by by the government. Of course, you know, regarding the TTP, there's 13 countries involved, so all 13 government national governments have to ratify for it to go through. 
uh, I'm not certain exactly how it will spell out if one or more don't actually ratify it. I would think that it would pretty much you scan know, the whole thing, but, but uh, that will remain to be seen. Uh, I know that uh, the activists out there in this world really need to, you know, and of course the, the same applies with the European and, and the American one too, the TTIP. It's real important that uh, these things do not get ratified because that will be one major defeat for the globalists on, on their movement towards this one world government tyranny that goes along with it. Pretty absolute. If you know, if it comes through, I mean, it's all. It, we, we will already be living with uh, no longer any, any national sovereignty, obviously, and the laws of the nation will not apply because the uh, corporate lawyers will pretty much have their way in court. Um, and to the people in each nation independently, it's pretty much a race if they pass. So there's so much riding on it. And I, I just hope to God that there's, there's enough of a challenge to be able to um, defeat them. Well, it, yeah, it seems to me that, you know, particularly with um, <clears throat> the TPP, that, you know, a lot of it is designed as a means of, you know, the, the U.S. policy of trying to contain China and to, you know, basically make things as hard as possible for, for China to expand and, you know, do what it wants to do, which is, you know the forming of par- partnerships um, with you know countries that are you know bordering it and are its natural partners, but there are so many uh, in you know in Southeast Asia. When you look on a map, it's just crazy to look at you know ha- just how much uh, China is blockaded. Um, you know uh, the East China Sea and the uh, Southeast uh, China Sea. It's, it's just it's you know it's it's crazy and you have all these um so these elite in these countries these financial elite which are largely tied into these corporations you know have been basically you know corrupted uh for for decades and you know you have these big divisions which um you know I'm sure you see um last time we talked you you were headed out to Bali and uh, I, I believe you're there now. Um, so yes, I am. Yeah, you know, it's it's. Um, I'm, I'm wondering also if you could go into maybe you know what the the situation in Indonesia is is like right now. Uh, like just over a week ago, there was the the terrorist attack in Jakarta, and I know uh, traditionally or officially Indonesia is not aligned but you know there are these elite in Jakarta that are that are that do have this you know western money and are are pro western um but on the same hand uh, on the other hand you know you do see Indonesia you know um making stronger ties with China and you know developing uh different economic uh programs so you know, I'm, I'm wondering if yeah. you could go into the situation there. Sure. Yeah, Indonesia is, is not part of this TPP, uh, thankfully, and uh, and it has actually made alliances with uh, with China. They they have a a, a joint uh, 
agreement now for uh, a monorail uh, to uh, be connecting islands in, in the fast-speed trains uh, with China. And it's a multi-billion dollar investment that China's making here in Indonesia. And so how I've seen it is, you know, obviously the strategy of the United States empire for, you know, for decades, really, even, you know, way back into the Cold War era, has been to isolate uh, Russia and China, both. They are the Cold War enemy, communist, you know, and, uh, and, and it hasn't really changed. It, it's just actually gotten worse in recent years. And um, especially with the whole ploy of, uh, you know, the EU and the NATO and trying to recruit Ukraine and, and all the rest of them that border right along the border of Russia. And then the installation of all the missiles in Moscow. And, and they're doing, they've done the same uh, with China. You know, uh, Vietnam is, is basically a puppet now of America. And we have a, a naval base there operating. And, and, uh, and of course, you know, the traditional allies of Japan, and they're a puppet, and they have been forever a puppet, basically, of America. And they've militarized now, and there's a lot of growing tensions now in uh, in the region uh, where uh, Japan, that has basically not been militarized ever since World War II, um, I have have basically been putting a lot of money now into into uh, armaments and, and building a, a military force, and uh, and of course, then the Philippines is also a country that. America has relied upon. They've had bases in both Japan and the Philippines for forever, and um, and so they're in South Korea is the other one, uh, and and obviously we have military still right there facing North Korea, it, and uh, so they're using the, the historical traditional allies along with recruiting everybody else that happens to border uh, China, including. Uh, CIA efforts with the uh, Xinjiang uh, province in, in the most uh, western part of China, uh, with the Ugmar uh, population there, the native population. Terrorism uh, going on there, and it's been CIA induced and financed. Um, and, and so, yes, the operation of America Empire has been to to uh, isolate in every aspects of their um, policies with the countries aligning with the countries that border the, the big two rivals uh, of America. And, and uh, all along, I, I think that Russia and China has been looking uh, to basically coexist in a harmonious and peaceful way. I mean, they have not been the aggressor. It's been the United States empire and NATO that's been the aggressor completely um, mm -hmm. throughout this whole 40-year period. And, and uh, so it's dire circumstance, again, with a geopolitics chessboard and, and what's stacking up with the growing tensions in the South China Sea and, and the incidents that have been occurring there. Um, and then the, the TTP has been used as, as a, a weapon. You know, it's, it's, the, the war is going on uh, militarily and it's going on uh, cyber wars going on in, in a big way, and, and obviously the the trade war and the currency war. I mean, a war on every level, you know, but um, 
you know, the conventional wars are, are, are have expanded into in, into so many different domains now. Um, so yeah, there's it, it a lot of growing conflicts in that whole in in this area, and of course the history here in Indonesia. You know, uh, I'm sure everybody is aware uh, about that 1965 overthrow where they took the the first president out. Um, and uh, in a matter of a year or so, they put in Suharto, who was a total puppet and a very corrupt uh, leader, and uh, and they killed a million people here um, in Indonesia. Um, just totally imperialistic, and they pretty much have had their way in Indonesia for a long, long time. But I think Indonesia in recent years has tried to stay clear of being under the thumb of U.S. empire and has tried mm-hmm. to, I think, uh, stake a claim of independence and uh, and then uh, as a bulwark uh, to buffer themselves against the onslaught of aggression from America, they have aligned more recently with China. And, of course, U.S. empire, when, you know, countries that have been under their thumb historically start to act in, or at least make efforts to toward independence, they're always punished. And uh, I see this whole incident of, what, 10 days ago, nine days ago, um, on the 14th of January, as uh, basically payback uh, that U.S. empire is delivering to the government of Indonesia um, because of their movement toward aligning with China and not being a, a, a puppet of, of U.S. empire. And, um, you know, and, and I think, you know, I, I wrote a, an article about it. Um, you look at all the, the anomalies because they go with every terrorist act, basically, you know, it's just riddled with holes. Um, first of all, and and also parallels to the Paris attacks. It seems like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was pretty much modeled after it, except you know the Paris attacks. They killed 130 in less time than it took to kill. I think it ended up four civilians in this one, and it, and it was over an hour and a half in length, um, and. Uh, so I think it was a half-assed at terrorism, actually. Uh, I mean, a, a terrorist, if you're really going to, uh, you know, be a terrorist, you want to kill as many as, as possible. That's the whole idea of, um, of terrorism. You try and take out a population and, and put terror in. And basically, the uh, stubborn Indonesian people in Carta, and to their credit, you know, within an hour after, you know, it's not going to affect us. And, of course, of course, if you're going to kill two, three, four civilians, it's going to have less impact than if you wipe out 130 in an hour. Um, but anyway, I think what we saw, I mean, the official line of the Indonesian police saying that uh, Baram or something, the guy's name in, in, in Syria, supposedly, he's, uh, he's one of the... Uh, the Islamic State guys now uh, from Indonesia, and he was in jail. He, I mean, like with all the terrorism acts, they always have, know who these people are, 
who supposedly are responsible for the terrorism. And they've been trucking it for years. And this guy happened to uh, be calling the shots supposedly from Syria, setting and coordinating and being the mastermind for this half-ass operation in Jakarta. And, um, and, and it was in 2011, he was convicted. I, I think they, they, they already knew that he was radicalized terrorist and, and, uh, and it convicted him, I think, uh, for arms or something. He had a possession of big, big arms possession or something. And so he did like, uh, I think, two years. And then they let him go. And of course, you know, with the building of the war um, in Syria, he took off once he was free uh, to Syria and, and supposedly was the mastermind behind this operation um, where these uh, so-called uh, suicide bombers, uh, I mean, what suicide bomber just wipes out yourself and, and then nobody else? I mean, what's the point of being a suicide bomber if you're just going to do yourself, you know? Um, but anyway, there were like two or three of them that, that basically killed themselves and nobody um, so it was just a strange operation, and it went on for an hour and a half, and, and um, you know, with a gunfire, grenades, uh, bombs, uh, and, uh, and 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 then there were like four civilians, as I said, and, and killed. Um, and you know, it's just it was just real strange, real strange. And I and, uh, and I, I I'm in contact with a. Uh, um, Robert David Steele, he's a career ex-CIA, ex-Marine civilian officer in military intelligence, and uh, he's responsible for an open communications network now. He's a whistleblower, basically, and I've used quotes where he actually says, you know, that because the state sponsored the Western sponsored terrorism, which I wrote a big article on recently, um, it's, it's basically uses these, these uh, young mo- Muslims, uh, radical young Muslims, to do their bidding as the terrorists. They're basically the patsies of the West that want to stir up a war on terror and keep it going. And, uh, and, and so basically... There, he made a quote, and, and he says, there are, there are people that have actually taken restraining orders out on these informers and, and assets for these CIA, basically, uh, to stop them from trying to recruit them to do terrorism. I mean, it's like terrorism are us, you know, being the U.S. government. And, uh, and so... You know, he, and he said it's an insane asylum. It's become an insane asylum where, you know, the CIA and, and basically the intelligence, uh, Mossad and, and the rest of them, the MI6, and, and all of them have their own, you know, code word for their uh, intelligence. And that they're all basically stirring up all this terrorism, uh, killing their own people just to basically, you know, keep the war on terror alive keep the military-industrial complex always uh, profiting by violence and war and, and, and innocent blood shed. Um, you know, so it's, it's a real mess, and, and, and that's what this is. And they wanted to uh, basically teach an lesson, and at the same time, they wanted to say to China and the rest of the Asian countries, see, you're not going to stop 
terrorism. It's coming when we want it to come. It's going to be at your doorstep. That was the message to all the eight countries, because apparently this is the first incident of, quote, Islamic State going from the Middle East, Iraq, and, and uh, Syria, spreading outward, you know, it's, it's really gone into to Ukraine, it, it, it's gone down, and, and they made a, uh, made a contract with, with the uh, uh, Al-Shabaab uh, Al of uh, Kenya and, and Somalia, and, and, uh, and then, of course, they're also linked with Boko Haram in, in Nigeria, and, and uh, Burkina Fusa, the, the latest one where they killed another 29 people in the hotels. There, they, you know, so they're 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 basically their images are spreading, and that's what they want everybody to believe that there's this big monolithic monster that cannot be stopped, and uh, and unfortunately, uh, well, fortunately for the world stepped in it and has been putting, uh, you know, a, a big dent on it with uh, his interventions in Syria. Um, but it's all, and it was also to actually say, so even Putin doing his thing in Syria is not going to stop ISIS from spreading to a neighborhood near you, including America. And of course, there have been the sightings of uh, where they're actually camping miles from the El Paso border uh, earlier in 2015. Uh, and so, the, and there and there are cells within the United States. You better believe it. You know, Obama has the open door policy. He's he's keeping tabs on every single American. But as far as people coming into the country, they don't even need papers. There are no documentation, and, and it's amnesty for all the grants in the country. You know, I mean, it's it's totally insane. But hey, his marching order is take down America, and he's done a hell of a job doing it too. Well, regarding Indonesia, you know, it's it's such an um, influential country in Southeast Asia. I mean, it's, it's the largest country. It has, um, has the, the biggest economy. It has one of the biggest economies, you know, in the world. And you know, so it does have this significant influence uh, over other Southeast Asian countries as well. And, you know, isn't it just so ironic that you know, once it starts to shift gears and make these relationships with China, that all of a sudden these these terrorist uh, you know, these terrorist uh, attacks happen. You know, it, it's just it boggles my mind because you know you don't see uh, things like that happening in uh, Japan or you know, the Philippines, which you know are, are totally pro-American, and uh, you know it, it's just baffling to me that. You know, once you see these these countries aligning with their natural partner, which is China, um, you know, and and we saw the same in uh, Taiwan, uh, you know, last year. Uh, there, uh, Tony Carlucci had an article that we posted on SOT that was talking about the uh, the gray wolf attacks, um, you know, which which have the ties uh, with Turkey. And you know this is just this is happening just as Taiwan, who you know historically, uh, as I'm, I'm sure our listeners know, have the, these these strong ties with the U.S. But they're also you know changing gears as well and looking to build um, you know th these railways with with China. And 
Yeah, it's just uh, it's, it's baffling to that. I think a big part of it is that so many Americans, you know, don't really know um, all the dynamics of, of you know the relationships and and the the history um, of, of what's been happening in these countries. Um, but yeah, it, it's just it's just baffling to me. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, U.S. hegemony has been the key word for uh, U.S. foreign policy now for a long time. They want to be number one. They're they're unwilling to share power with basically Russia and China. They've made their choice. It's it's a unipolar world, and we're going to keep the hegemony at all costs. And if it means World War III... That's where we're going. And, and I mean, we've got neocon mad, insane people calling the shots, um, mm-hmm. you know, and doing these aggressive, provocative, uh, basically acts of war against, you know, Russia and China. Uh, thankfully, that Russia and China have shown a lot of restraint, but, you know, you can only push it so far before, you know, I mean, and, and that's, I think, the big part of why uh, Putin took charge in Syria. Um, first of all, he, you know, he historically has his own terrorist problem with Chechnya, which, of course, the West has basically fomented and developed and, and basically uh, spawned a whole terrorist movement there. Um, and he didn't want uh, ISIS to spread over into Chechnya and, and into Russia. And, uh, and of course, Syria has been a longtime ally, and, and, and Assad asked him as a sovereign leader for help. And, uh, and he seized the opportunity because he saw that this, quote, war against ISIS that Obama declared, what a fake he is, uh, was not a war at all, but they were supporting it all along. Uh, and, and they still are. They, they just uh, uh, uncovered a, another uh, – uh, ammo drop, uh, arms drop, uh, airdrop in, in uh, Syria, um, a black helicopter in the dark, you know, the cargo all in black falling down, and it got intercepted, and, and it was American again, uh, C-130, and, and uh, so we're still supplying the so-called enemy. Um, and so, you know, it, I give I, I my hat off to, to Putin. He's the only major leader that stepped up and, and seems to be of reason. You know, now I know he's not a saint, and I know that you know there, there's no doubt there's there's a lot of tyranny in in, in Russia and China. Both they, their human rights policies aren't aren't very good either. Um, but they have shown restraint. They have not been the aggressor internationally. Instead, they actually reached out to other countries and help them economically in the long term, whereas America, they might makes right, and it's all militarized. Uh, we have um, our, our special ops forces in 134 countries. That's 75% of the Earth's nations. We have American occupiers there, making secret wars around the world. Uh, we, America... Empire has operated with complete impunity, been killing thousands and millions on this planet over the years. And, and you know, it's like under this unipolar, you know, we're, we're God, we're, 
we can't stop us and we can do anything we want to anybody when we want. It, you know, basically, the sad part is Americans are going to be, you know, the, the losers. They're going to have to pay the price for what the sins of their own government. But mm-hmm. the rest of the world is fed up with U.S. empire. And we're, what we're seeing this year is the acceleration of country war to bring down the, the, U, the U.S. Uh, and Western economy. It's all in a, in a trying, and it's a global economy, too, so the whole world will be affected. But, but mostly the, the uh, Americans are going to suffer economically in the hardship that's going to come that is already on us, but it's going to only get worse. It will probably continue incrementally, uh, although it might be, you know, suddenly there might be some kind of false flag hit on the, quote, cyber banking, and then they'll declare a banker's holiday, and the next thing you know, nobody can withdraw money uh, from their account. Um, and, and I really, we do need to keep our eye on what's going on in Europe, because they seem to be, like, one step ahead as far as the house of cards falling there. Uh, especially with the situation right now going on in, in uh, Italy. Um, so, and of course, they, they have this bail-in uh, where they've got already got all this secret legislation uh, where they've been able to you know, buy off the, the whores in, in the government where they will vote and uh, allow the banks basically to take over people's money, so steal their money from their bank accounts. So, you know, I mean, we're in a world of hurt, and, and you know, just slipping away from us every day and every week, it seems, with more and more bad news. Uh, but the good thing is is that there are forces that are challenging and opposing what America's about, and, and uh, hopefully, I'm not going to, like, you know, say they're going to be our savior, um, but at least they are acting in ways in which they're trying to minimize the damage uh, because I do think that the, quote, Kazarian mafia that have been in control with this whole international crime syndicate in the Western nations, um, they have been in control uh, with Israel and Washington and, and EU. They're, they're in control, and they've provoked and done all these you know, aggressive actions around the world and I and I think that they're they're really operating in a reckless abandon because they know that their power is going to be seized from them. The, the, the world is is basically becoming aware. It's been slow, especially for Americans to grasp. But mm-hmm. I do think that we're reaching a tipping point this year. We will reach it where it will reach critical mass, I believe, you know, as, as we see you know, things becoming worse and worse, there will be more and more people that will be tuning in and, and realizing the the crime cabal that, that, that's been wreaking havoc with this earth for centuries, literally for centuries. The same family from the Rothschilds, Rockefellers, you know, all through the ages, the last two, three, four hundred years. Um, they have been doing these horrible things to the earth and the people on it and all life forms on it. And I think the world is getting fed up with it. And I believe that there will be a coalesced, mobilized effort to challenge and and take the power away from from these 
maniacs that have been in control for so long. And, uh, yes, there's going to be a lot of upheaval and, and a lot of, uh, I hate to say it, violence and probably war. Um, but I, I also see that in order for us to get to a better place, um, all of that, unfortunately, will have to probably take place. I pray to God it's going to be some kind of peaceful revolution. But um, I, I, I know that the evil ones that have been in control will want to take everything down with them. And, uh, and I'm, I'm really concerned about what that might entail. Um, but anyway. Joaquin, so. you said a, a few minutes ago, you said, um, hopefully this isn't too abstract a question, but, uh, you know, the way the leaders have been acting with reckless abandon um, and stupidity uh, it's so bad. It's so egregious, uh, and ultimately so self-destructive. Um, do you have any thoughts on to what extent uh, th- there is, you know, all all of this behavior is part of a another plan to to bring America down deliberately, even if on some level the narrative points to. Um, you know, just trying to maintain its uh, hegemony and power abroad. Do you think that there's some uh, even more nefarious kind of um, uh, death wish that that might be facilitating some other part of the uh, New World Disorder Plan, as you put it? Well, I think that, I mean, these, these maniacs are the, you know, transhumanists, where they think they just believe that they, there is the developing technology for them to uh, be able to live forever. And so I don't think that it is a total suicidal. I think that they have their contingency plans well thought out and organized. And uh, and I think that, you know, I mean, we all pretty much are um, underground uh, luxury uh, cities and, and transportation routes, and they have supplied for, for years now to be able to live uh, their uh, luxurious lifestyle underground. There is that plan, and I do see that they, uh, I believe that they have technology that they have borrowed or ripped off from extraterrestrials as well. Um, I know I'm kind of getting out on a limb, and I'd I noticed that uh, Mikhail Chasadovsky uh, from Global Research, he deleted those two paragraphs in my last article where I talked about this, uh, where um, you know I talk about all the changes that are going on in the solar system and how that can also be affecting Earth. And I talk about you know the potential of, of the extraterrestrial, or actually not potential, the evidence that we already have of uh, extraterrestrial activity and, and and, you know, so-called aliens from other planets and intelligent life elsewhere in the universe. And and, uh, and, and I also think that they borrowed the technology and have capacity through their black ops to be able to, uh, and we don't, we don't know this, you know, but I believe that they uh, have the capacity, and that's probably another contingency plan, and who knows, maybe it'll, it's their contingency A plan over and above the underground life, but I think that they have the capacity to uh, call on 
like uh, you know, with the help of, of other uh, species out there. Um, they probably have some kind of uh, colonized uh, civilization that they're planning to, to, you know, they could totally destroy the earth with that intention, but they have life for themselves that they will zoom uh, off someplace else to, to uh, wreak havoc there probably. Um, so, okay, I kind of deviated a little bit from, from that question. <laughs> Could you like get me back on track? I, I, I kind of forgot. Well, but before you before you uh, go any further, I I just wanted to add that we left those two paragraphs in uh, <laughs> at SOT. Um, uh, certainly, you know, I I think yeah, you based did. on you made a well, good comment on it too. Well, yes, I, I thank uh, you. I thank you for keeping it intact. I definitely do. I appreciate that. <laughs> Because well, um, you're so, not afraid to go there and explore the reality. You know, hard news sites won't go there. But I applaud you for being open and broad-minded. Because the evidence is there and we know it. So, but anyway, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, it, if, it, if, it's part of, if it's part of a larger objective picture, then, um, you know, then it just is. And, uh, and it's important to include. Um, you know, it's always interesting, uh, for, um, for us to see journalists, writers who are looking at geopolitical information quite seriously, uh, but who are also willing to think a little bit outside the box and, uh, and try and figure out where this other piece fits in, which, which is certainly a very big piece and, um, and, and also a very, potentially disturbing piece of information, you know, i.e., uh, you know, where do the, where do the, the ETs fit into all of this, uh, given all of the information that we're looking at. But, um, yeah, I mean, one of the thoughts that we have is, is that uh, it's certainly possible um, that some uh, ETs have positive intentions, um, but, but that uh, there's a whole other uh, contingent that um, would not allow us to to surpass a certain amount of destruction uh, or inflict a certain amount of destruction on ourselves um, because you know we may be farmed in a certain kind of a way. Um, anyway, I just wanted to throw that in there, uh, Joaquim. And if you wanted to add any more to this other um, part of the the question regarding um how it is that uh you know that the destruction of the US which certainly seems like it's in the plans might be fitting into a larger plan uh, if you had any more thoughts on that I'd, uh certainly go ahead otherwise um yeah it's been the agenda now for a long time, I believe, that, that the United States has to be destroyed and globalization, uh standard of living and economically. And and uh to level quote the playing field to set the stage for the one world government takeover. Uh, so that's what the House of Cards is better 
is all about in, at the same time with a perfect storm of, of war on a, on a global scale. Um, certainly, with, uh, and of course, we all know that the whole agenda of, of war and terrorism is, is to uh, increase the uh, absolute control over the population. And uh, so, yeah, uh, that's that's where it's headed. Uh, now, I think that there's are there are forces opposing. surmise or, or speculate, uh, we know that there are forces of opposing the, the whole globalist agenda besides the alternative media and the, and the audience of the alternative media consumer. Uh, but there are forces that are probably underground or, or in some ways invisible also trying to uh, oppose the total aggression, and it, I believe also, of course, that it extends to even other civilizations, other alien civilizations, that interest, and, in, in, you know, who knows if it's completely, you know, on, on the positive, altruistic, advanced spiritually, or, or whether, yes, there might be this idea that, Age 
where you know the wind power and the solar power are becoming affordable for more people, and I believe that that's going to eventually, within a relatively short time, I believe it will replace the fossil fuel and I also see that you know we we've had this Tesla free energy for a long long time. That guy lived you know only till you know the early part of the last century, and uh, and so we have this technology and there are pockets of it being developed now where we have access to free energy um, in pockets. It has to be obvious. And this is one of the revolutionary changes that's happening, too, is, is uh, we have to expand this whole thing where, because that will take care of everything as far as, um, you know, allowing people to be living independently. Uh, everything will be localized. And, and uh, you know, I, I believe that, that uh, for surviving whatever's coming, we have to, you know, connect with other people that we live near and next to, uh, neighbors and mm-hmm. friends and communities. That, that, that's where we're at. We, we need to localize our resources on, on, a, on a grand level with all the small communities out there to, to, uh, to be as independent as possible. And, and that would even include you know, uh, bartering and, and having your own currency. The, the state of North Dakota has their own bank, and, and, and it, it can be modeled like that, where where we have these alternative means of being able to tra- have transactions. But I think there's a whole world out there of, of, of that's also revolutionizing the way to go uh, on another level. So, you know, there, there are a lot of positive, and, and I will try to incorporate that more of my work um, because I I also realize, you know, as a therapist who has treated many, many people who, who, who one of the, the trademarks or symptoms of, of depression is, is the sense of, of futility, of, like, powerlessness, that if the perception of a person is that there is no future, that there's no power that person can exert or control in their life and improve, that perception alone will cause the depression and it becomes self-fulfilling where they only feel worse and, 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 um, and can't, you know, function at all. So there is this aspect, and, and this is another thing, the elite wants people to feel defeated. I mean, they've mm-hmm. got us in their pocket. Once people have given up and they think, well, there's nothing we can do. And too many people think this way. And we got to overcome this. You know, I know that they're a bad force, you know, and they have all the resources and the authoritarian uh, strength to back up all their crap. But we get And the way of power is to feel like you are powerless to change, to make any positive change. And we've got to overcome that. Um, so, yeah, it's very important to believe that that even though it, it may even be a long shot or it may be, you know, against all odds kind of thing, you know, where we are underdogs, 
Yes, that's possible because of the whole, you know, uh, infrastructure that they've had now and they've been preparing for years uh, to, you know, basically people. I mean, the government's been, been doing this. They've been preparing for this for like two, at least two, three decades. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's formidable opposition, but we can come together and, and give it our best shot to get through this with the realization of violence and death and destruction. And what we can try to work on is a, a, a world in which, yes, we do have justice, we have honesty, we have truth, and, and we have, a, 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 you know, so many cynics out there, you know? And, oh, no, that won't work. Oh, same as the old boss. Oh, you know, but I'm tired of that negativity because it's already defeated. It's like we have no power, and I'm not willing to go there. I, you know, as, as doom and gloomish as, as so much of it seems, we have to believe that we can make um, and so, yeah, that's that's what, you know, I tried to get that across in my latest article, uh, that there is some kind of force that's for us, too, beyond just ourselves in our own little talk on the radio and writings on the, on the websites, you know. Um, it, it goes beyond that. And, and I believe that we're getting help from other forces that are on the team. Um, yeah. Well, you know, Joaquin, I um, I think there is also something to be said about you know you're you're writing about these things, and while the the content you know is talking about the the negative behavior of you know the the U.S. and and Western forces, there is something I think very positive about pointing those things out you know for people to see you know it, it is uh it's 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 a willingness to see things as they are and you know and when i'm sure you know in your work with uh with clients and, and, and therapy you know that's a really essential point to get to to be able to see the the destructive aspects of our lives in order to be able to overcome them and i think a lot of the times when when people have these knee-jerk reactions uh against you know this this negativity or negativity as they see it you know, it's it's that it's it's painful to look at, but it's also a um, a, a a a useful process uh, to to go through. You know, to to work through our biases and you know the the lies that that we've accepted uh, in order to reach some truth. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to make change unless you know what to change. And, and right. Basically, right. defining what. What the opposition is doing is part of, of what we we know what we're up against, and to mobilize around that with awareness, and, and of course that's of course also one of the things they're counting on. They've been trying to dumb us down and pretty much have done a pretty stand-up job dumbing a lot of people down. But uh, so that's one of their biggest threats too. Is to have uh, informed and educated and mobilizing behind our awareness of, of what the, the enemy is doing. You know, so yeah, yeah. I, I think it, it, you know it's it's exciting, you know, and, and it's scary too because of all the negative things. But but uh, but I do think that 
you know, this, being able to communicate, being able to network, uh, uh, being able to, uh, to work together in, in, in some kind of coalesced, mobilized movement, that's what really has to take place. And I believe that, you know, it's going to take conditions getting a little bit worse before I think more and more people are going to become activists. Um, you know, it, 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 for the most part, you know, even though the quality of life and the standard of living has dropped in America, um, I think the day-to-day life of most Americans is not, not actually enough, but when it gets worse, I believe that's going to be the impetus for people to become unhappy and basically take a hard look at what their government's been doing to them for the last 30 years and then be in a position of, of, of you know, self-righteous anger to uh, then mobilize it and taking action. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think that's what we're seeing. And with the events that will happen this year, I believe that the, the, the upshot is that there will be a more people aware, and there will be become more, I think, uh, an organized opposition to the, the status quo evil that's been going on for a long time. Well, uh, Joaquin, um, in your latest article, um, we put it on uh, on SOT with the headline, uh, Big Changes Ahead in 2016 as the Status Quo of the Power Elite is Challenged. Um, now, in that one, um, so... You talk about, or you write about some of the things you've been talking about, but you also give a breakdown of um, kind of some of the events that have happened so far in January and uh, kind of some predictions on how those trends are going to continue um, throughout the year. And I guess these are kind of the events that will be hopefully some of the um, some of the impetus to get people fed up and willing to. Um, to make or at least first want some kind of change, realize there's a problem, and then, you know, hopefully do something about it. So, I mean, just as a couple examples, you've got the um, the high seas shipping coming around the globe coming to a screeching halt, um, Baltic dry index down, um, you know, China's recent moves about um, demanding pay, all trade payments being the Chinese yuan. Um, do you want to just talk about some of the things that are going on and the things that you see happening this year um, kind of leading up to, to well, the end of the year and whatever happens? Yeah, yeah I think that uh, 2016 is, is going to be the year where, uh, you know, the writing's been on the wall now for some time as far as the U.S. dollar no longer being uh, accepted as the international currency. Uh, the writing's been on the wall, but I think this year it's going to be uh, almost directly there will be more and more nations that opted for alternative uh, currency, uh, and, and China's basically leading the way now on that, Russia and China both, uh, but China especially has been asserting its, its uh, emerging power economically by, uh, by insisting that... Uh, the, uh, their trade currency uh, for oil and, and everything else. And, uh, and, and 
and basically more and more countries, even allied countries, are are jumping ship and trading in, in alternative means of, of currency. So that's going to continue. And yeah, the whole uh, shipping coming to a halt, that's never happened in modern history. So uh, we're in a first here, and, and it is kind of scary uh, because, you know, what, what that kind of provoking sign will indicate that the goods aren't going to get shipped, and therefore the shelves are going to probably, uh, you know, not be full. The, the shelves will not be stocked as full as they have been. Uh, hopefully, it will not become some dire situation of people, you know, you know, struggling just to grab as much as they can to, to survive. Uh, but I think that we're going to begin seeing the the signs of of this uh, shutdown of of commerce uh, globally. Uh, in the stores, we will be seeing it in the coming weeks, so that that'll be something to watch. Um, and then, of course, the the and just the floundering economy that's going from bad to worse. Also, the, the China is no longer uh, in a growth period. It's also uh, economy has slowed down tremendously, uh, and uh, you know so. There's many changes, and of course, the emerging BRICS uh, alliance, uh, economically, the, you know, led by Russia and, and China, but it also, of course, includes the most uh, powerful nation in South America, Brazil, which is also in, in deep trouble right now, economically, um, India, and, and then South uh, Africa as well. Um, but yeah, we're going to be seeing more alliances. The Basically, making making uh, agreements with other nations to uh, to do their trade transactions with uh, alternative currencies, we're going to be seeing a lot more of that as the year progresses. Uh, and, and I think probably slowly, the U.S. dollar will just be in less use uh, internationally. Um, now, how that's going to impact our economy, uh, you know. I, I hope it doesn't actually, you know, where the, you know, we all have heard about the 1929 crash and, and how that was just a plummet crash. Uh, we, we're hoping that it's not something, you know, that of that magnitude where, you know, you wake up and, and everything's changed forever more. Um, purposely had the the uh, Everything falling apart in incremental stages. It's been kind of designed that way, and uh, you know, so you know, hopefully, it will not be you know, war tomorrow and everything you know, and your, your bank account is completely depleted by the criminal banks that have taken over. Um, but uh, we're going to be seeing a, a lot more, and 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 I think that um, this jockeying on the geopolitics chessboard. Uh, the, the situation in Syria really is, is you know, and Ukraine. Ukraine is, we haven't heard as much about the Ukraine, but it, the war is still going on. And, and, uh, and uh, but, but the Syria situation is where Turkey now has troops in, in Syria, but has troops on the ground, boots on the ground in Syria now. They've taken over an airfield that basically the Kurds in Syria had possession of, um, 
and and there's a, a lot of uh, there's a growing conflict here uh, where Russia basically sees Al Qaeda and their offshoots. Uh, uh, they they see them as terrorists, which they are. I mean, you know, they, they were the guys who remember nine one one. We supposedly blamed the Al Qaeda for that. Um, so uh, they they see as terrorists, and, and so they're taking them out along with ISIS. And of course, America in the West tries bogus distinction that, that El Nusra and Al Qaeda are the good guys. They're actually the good terrorists, you know, and and, uh, and Russia's not seen it that way, obviously, because it's absurd. And uh, so, but there's a growing conflict now uh, where Turkey's now involved in Syria. They got troops there, and, and of course, and there's going to be a, a potential for a direct head-to-head confrontation uh, where there's there's more violence uh, between Russia and Turkey and Russia and America. I mean, that, that's kind of where it's headed. Uh, you know, and, and it's become very convoluted and, and complicated with all these different groups. In our with this side and this side, uh, the, the Kurds in, in Syria, America is backing. The Kurds in Turkey, that Turkey is basically basically uh, there. U.S. is okay with that. Uh, you know, it's, it's a crazy, insane world. You know, but I see Syria as really a, a the real hot spot where it could ignite in, into world war. I mean, that that could be the the big the um, fuse where it's lit. Right now, um, we don't hear as much about the Ukraine war, but we know that the bloodshed is still being spilled there. And the rebels in eastern Ukraine that are comprised mostly of ethnic Russians. You know, I, I'm in contact with people in Ukraine, and, and I know that they're fed just like the Americans are fed a bunch of lies and propaganda, and the same with the, the people. Propaganda trash, um, but I'm told by some of those people that uh, that there are Russian terrorists, you know, inside Ukraine, uh, and, and you know, and, and I, I don't know that there's a confirmation of Russian troops and, and Russian, just like you know, there's American paramilitary. And, and uh, even supposed ISIS uh, are fighting on the side of the force in the uh, So I, it, it doesn't surprise me that paramilitary fighting alongside the rebels who live in eastern Ukraine in the Donbass region, fighting against the oppressive forces from from Kiev, coming after them also in the, in the uh, summer of. of 2014, and the war's been going on now for, for several years. It was going on two years now, basically. Um, so, yeah, and, and there's going to be more hot spots of violence, too. Uh, we just hope that the, the, the head-to-head military confrontation is not go global. Um, so, you know, yeah, it's very volatile all over the earth, and we're going to 
and they'll probably be, you know, basically we know that there have been terrorist cells that have also uh, come in with the refugees. Uh, there's a certain, probably a very low percentage of a handful of them to uh, act out in Europe and America with terrorism. And, of course, we know that there's a network of, of uh, you know, financial support, arms, et cetera. Uh, you know, I, I do hope, though, that oil from Syria and Iraq that, that Islamic State has stolen, and, and that's that's been their chief source of revenue to expand and build and, and be as successful as they've been. And that's in the recent months that Russia has intervened in Syria. That has really... Uh, They've taken a big dent out of the revenue now because they, they have their oil supply, uh, their illegal oil supply cut off. And Israel is also a, a big buyer of that pirated oil. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, it's, uh, it's volatile, and we're, we're going to see more volatility, and we're going to see more volatility on the level of collapsing. Uh, it's going to be a, a scary year, and hopefully, uh, it's going to reach a critical mass year where where enough people become aware and, and then you know start taking some action as as uh, activists for for peace and, and for you know positive because we can't be on this course that the uh, the elite has had us on now for centuries. Um, one thing that you mentioned, Joaquin, was the um, China's slowing uh, economy. And I think uh, a report came out a few days ago that the their economy grew something like 6.7% uh, or 6.9% uh, for 2015. <clears throat> and you know, my, my thought on that That would be total is, prosperity in America. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. I, I got you. Um, Go ahead. I interrupted so, you. Go ahead. Finish your question. Um, no, no problem. Um, my thought on that was that you know China seems to be putting a lot of its resources in into changing gears and into you know creating um, you know this alternative system that isn't just China uh, dominating like the U.S. dominates dominates uh, the world, but, you know, it, it's, it's you know, working with the, these, these, the BRICS countries and the BRICS banks, and, you know, it's doing all these things, so I, it seems natural to me that, you know, their, their economy um, isn't going to be growing as much just because they are going through all those changes. Um, now, I, I, I also do wonder, you know, to what extent, um this alternative system will be a safety net for when uh, the U.S. economy, you know, does collapse. Um, any thoughts on that? Yeah. Well, I mean, as far as its impact, uh, they now Americans. Um, 
we know it's probably going to get worse. I mean, that's pretty much a safe assumption. Uh, how worse? We don't know that. The extent of, of the uh, impoverishment that's going to result uh, from a collapsed economy, that we don't know. Uh, but yes, a positive sign of, of this is that China has been working with Russia and other nations to do an alternative system where the, you know, the, the global economy is going to shift from you know, basically the Western oligarchs and, and their total destruction, of course, to a system where, you know, obviously it's going to be, I believe, more equitable. And, I, you know, I, I don't – obviously China is going to play a, a major part, and so will Russia. And they will probably together uh, suffer the least consequences. And also, I think that's another reason why they're moving in their direction, because they kind of see the sinking ship of America, so we don't want to be with them, because then we're going to suffer right. almost as much as they will. So they're, they're aligning themselves with the countries that are the strongest and the most stable economically that will... Uh, be able to weather the storm best. And, and so there's, there's a, I think, a kind of a collective kind of a, a, a group think right now going on uh, internationally where uh, there's a sense of, okay, there's, there's this broken system that's, that's, that's collapsing, and what we need to do is find a, a pretty quick solution to what's going to replace that. And how that's going to manifest and and play out with the different players, and obviously Russia and China will play leading roles in that. Um, and I'm going to think like a, rather than you know recognize defeat and and then try to make the best of it by by trying to work with the rest of the world, the leaders that are bringing down America are not thinking in those terms. They're still thinking in terms of radicalized. They, they are thinking in terms of radicalized extremism. The very thing that they try and put mm -hmm. on us as dissenters, they are committing. Uh, they're not willing to be reasonable and equitable mm -hmm. in, in coming up with a solution where there's a shared power. They have the power to do this, where the United mm -hmm. States can play a, a, an important role in this emerging, you know, economic infrastructure that's going to replace the dying one. They can play a, a constructive role, but they're choosing not to, uh, because again, I get, you know, it's the, it's these psychopaths that are in control of the Western oligarchy system. So, you know, you can't really expect them to suddenly you know, have a heart or, or see reason uh, and, and try and work with the rest of the world. They're absolutists. So they're going to go out, you know, trying to bring the whole world down, apparently. Uh, so it's up to the more rational, uh, more cooperative uh, nations to be able to come together and find solutions. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, I mean, it, that's, that's the, probably the most positive thing that, that we have going is that at least there seems to be some uh, movement 
afoot that, that is based on a more equitable and just-minded sense of all the people of the world, uh, rather than, you know, well, we're going to be number one, and, and, you know, they're not buying so much. Probably there's undercurrents of jockeying for more power than the next, but but uh, but it's not like the U.S. empire. It's just not even the same. We're not even in the same league. Because they are realizing that, you know, it's a very practical situation here. Uh, the global economy, it is global, and there's one system that's been in control for centuries that's in the process of dying. It's pretty much over. So we have the responsibility to come up with a solution that's going to replace it. And, and they seem to be moving in a direction where, uh, you know, hopefully it gives us a sense of at least optimism that that the destruction will not be total because there are more rational, more cooperative heads that are trying to build some kind of alternative system. So that that's one positive that I see. Joaquin, um, something that you bring up a lot um, in your articles and even in your discussion here is the subject of uh, psychopaths. Um, you know, you, you've had your experience that you shared and uh, don't let the bastards get you down of your um, at West Point and uh, your experience as an Army officer and, and then... Uh, you became a uh, mental health professional, um, and I'm assuming that uh, since that time, um, you know, since your experiences in your early 20s, that you uh, were to some degree keeping up with world events and and um, and what the military was doing, and and just keeping informed in general. Um, I'm wondering if there was uh, at any particular point. Um, in your growth or in your uh, assessing all of this information and knowledge that that, uh, has motivated you to write, if you had an aha moment where you said, oh, my God, the problem is psychopaths. This is what we're seeing today. Uh, Or if it was more of just a kind of gradual realization that – that that took place, or you know, did, did you have any kind of uh, epiphany one day, or or um, did you read something? How, how did that come about for you? This understanding. Well, because of my legal conflict at West Point, you know, where they kicked me out on too many demerits, and I had to take them to court for failure to allow due process of law. You know, I saw how, how they operate, the psychopaths operate. They lie through their teeth. Lying is just one of their symptoms, basically, where they're pathological. They have no emotion, either, other than perhaps a fake anger or something like that. They're actors, basically, uh, and they're very good at it. They're very good actors. They're very good liars, uh, but they have no one bone of empathy. They have a total lack of empathy uh, for anybody else. Uh, So they don't experience that kind of, you know, like the rest of it, where we have a heart and we feel, you know, sorry for somebody else that's hurting and suffering. We we feel that. 
and, and they don't know. And so I did see it up close and personal from my own experience in the military. And, and of course, throughout my whole uh, military life uh, early on, uh, I clashed uh, because uh, I was up against the total brass structure of the colonels and the generals uh, in my rebellion. And uh, so I thought from that on, that was a real early eye-opener for me to see how power in this country has no moral ground. You know, and, and then, you know, there was this honor code and all of this kind of thing. And I saw that, you know, they don't practice what they preach, you know, and they have no honor. I mean, they're total liars. Thought. And, and, and I knew from that moment on in the mid-70s, I knew um, that our government is comprised of the same element. The same element is comprised at the upper echelons of the corporate structure. All the power, you know, be it the legal, the court, be it the corporate, be it the academic university level, they all operate in the same way, and it's cutthroat, and it's like uh, whatever you can do to get ahead and you play the kiss ass. I mean, they're very good at it. They do it very, very well, and you have to be one of them. You know, I always like that quote that, that uh, George Collins, you know, he said it's a, it's a club, and I always throw in private clubs, and you're not in and, mm-hmm. and, and, and they're very good at figuring out who's going to be like them. They will not accept other people, you know, where, where you know, the, like the skull and bones, the, you know, they, they select their little, you know, class, the senior class, okay, these are going to be the future of tomorrow, you know, the John Kerry's and the George, you know, and, uh, and it's based on... Uh, you got to be a psychopath. You, I mean, first of all, the people in power are psychopaths, so they know that they have to be very selective about who they're going to let in, so that they are replaced. You know, when they age out, they're going to get their be replaced by people that they select. And so it's a it's a very corrupt and really demented and abnormal psychological uh, condition, but. They've somehow managed uh, to uh, to basically grab the reins of power in, in the Western culture for centuries now. And, uh, so yeah, I think that question. I, I pretty much saw it from my military, you know, mid twenties. I, I, I was like up close and personal for me, and and then I, I saw that it was that way out in the government in the corporate world as well. Um, and I, the the real changing moment for me to become an activist was I was I was a little too young as a kid when JFK. But of course, the, the roots of of the shadow government. I mean, he warned it. You know, he had that speech in May of uh, of the year that he died, uh, where he was talking about the shadow government and the shadow people in charge and. And he was going to try and eliminate them, get rid of the CIA, bring us 
home from Vietnam, the advisors there, and, and change the currency uh, so that the government then starts, you know, putting out the money and get get rid of the feds. I mean, he was going to do all these great monumental changes, and, and of course they they saw what he was, was intending, and they took him out. And, and you know, so they're in charge then, and they're only more in charge and more powerful now, uh, even though they're losing their power. Um, so, but but I was too young to grasp it all, and, and of course, you know, the nation was pretty much sold on. We we didn't have a clue, uh, even though the Vietnam conflict and all that came out. But anyway, and I thought fairly soon after nine one one that it was a fake job and an inside job, uh, and, and that's when I became an activist and and. and, and uh, and, and began, you know, seriously writing, and and, and uh, I was still in the mental health field for many years after that, uh, up until about I actually started my, my writing in about 2011 or something like that, 2010, 2011. Right in that period, I really became active with my writing. But but I, as far as being an activist and knowing where the country was headed, because you could see, uh, first of all, they did the inside job, and then they had this war on terror, and they invented the new enemy, the the Muslim terrorists, and, you know, it was all very, very clear, very evident that their plan was, uh, and, and of course, the stripping of our constitutional rights and freedoms and on the process. Uh, that became very clear very soon after 911. I mean, the Patriot Act and the whole thing. Um, you know, so that that was the moment where the clarity was there, and you have to do something. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually, I, I felt like my, my nation is going down fast. And, you know, as much as I love being a therapist and working mostly with the, the abused youth and adolescents, uh, I felt like I, I needed to, you know, do more on, on a like a larger scale of, of activism rather than just working individually with people. But that was the most gratifying work of my entire life was with, with the abused youth. Um, my heart just, you know, goes out to these people, and I, and I'll tell you, they responded because they got that I cared about them, and that's all it took. Somebody caring, somebody who, who they could trust that cared about them, and uh, so, with the dire circumstances that America is in right now, now I, it's like I have to care about my country because it's being destroyed by traitors. And uh, and we we have to stop it before the utter destruction is so absolute that we're living in one world government tyranny, uh, and we're not far off. We live already in a totalitarian police state. It's already here. I mean, no one can dispute it. Um, so it's just a a hair's breadth away, basically, from being a formalized, uh, you know, one world government. Basically, informally, it has been a one-world government. The whole of Western government is run by the oligarchs. They, they take all their marching orders. The Bilderberg meetings, you know, outline what's going to happen in the next. You know, all the ma- major news events. It's all pre-planned and orchestrated, engineered by the oligarchs. So the globalists, the oligarchs, you know, the people in control. And uh, and Hobbits are the Obamas, 
the you know all the rest of the peon politicians you know um so yeah well, um, when you when we look at these the next question well, that's, uh, it, was, it was more of a comment uh you know you mentioned uh, obama and you know these these politicians that we have now you know like Kerry and clinton and yeah, it's it's such a contrast to uh somebody like uh, JFK who, you know, he he was he was trying to do all these things, but I think uh, another significant piece of why he was killed was because he was uh, awakening the conscience of of, you know, so many Americans in this unified force and yeah, and it was based on goodness, on on humanity, and he created this uh, tangible uh, taste of of peace. That peace was possible, and you know, he was driving it home. And you look at the and the people that we have in you know, and and you could we could use that word loosely, uh, people. You know, they're they're more like creatures that we have. And I, I you know, I, I was just thinking of. Um, the story that came out, I think today, uh, Kerry was uh, criticizing uh, Iran over the funds that they were providing uh, to uh, Hezbollah. And, I mean, Hezbollah is on the ground fighting, uh, and, and, you know, they're they're knocking out more terrorists than uh, the U.S. ever has. And, you know, for him to make these kind of statements is, is just... It's so backwards, and to have Americans, so many Americans, accept this as as a you know a, a truth, you know, it's really disheartening, and um, yeah, it, it's just a sad state of affairs that we have. Uh, and then and then you can kind of compare that to you know somebody like Putin, who is really like one of the few world leaders who's acting on the world stage and you know, uh, very obvious ways for good, and then for him to be so demonized. You have all these really wild, false conspiracy theories that are coming out against him from the West, and, you know, uh, the, you know it, it, it's, it's just continual, you know, the, the, these journalist killings from, you know, years ago, and uh, the, um, the Vitko spy Litvinenko. scandal, and yeah, um, you know, it, it's it's just it's it's so ridiculous, and then Americans are so pressed on actually looking at actual conspiracies. You know, they they don't want to look at those things, just these really wild, wild and nonsensical conspiracy theories that don't have any basis. Yeah, you know, it's just uh, we we are living in this bizarro world. Yeah, uh, it's it's a. They've created a reality for America, and they've been living the lie of that reality for decades. Uh, you know, the, all the history books that we grew up believing to be true about our nation, you know, it's all been lies. Uh, America has a track record of total violence. I mean, what, 93% of its existence it's been making war, killing people somewhere in the world 93% of the time. We have not been the good guy of the world like we've been brainwashed, you know? And it's been this way forever. Uh, you know, it, it was born out of the revolution. 
where we had these founding fathers that actually were thinking people and were also very leery of the authoritarian government and made sure they put into place a, a checks and balances system where the power would not become tyrannical because they were already done with it from Britain. And unfortunately, the, the, the good that they put out has been totally trampled and destroyed. It's there. We still have it on paper, but it's not being practiced, our Constitution. And uh, so, yeah, it, it's been for a long time where the malevolent forces have, have taken over. But the pivotal point, yes, was definitely the JFK assassination because they've been in control ever since and only consolidated their power and control to the max as time has gone on. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's an uphill struggle, but I do, I have to be optimistic that more and more people are getting it. They haven't dumbed down everybody. And if enough of us can basically be arming ourselves with the truth and talking to other people, I, I know that, that when you talk about the bad things that are going on, so many people don't want to hear it. And then part of their whole rationale is, you know, life's hard enough. I, I can't, you know, take on the problems that this government's doing. I, it, you know, I, I can't do anything. You know, and, and we have to overcome that. You know, that, that, that perception is absolutely false to begin with, to be powerless. That's, that's false. And we have to try and... and Fill in truth and educate and inform and, and motivate people to actually, you know, have the courage to take action. Uh, and, and I know it's I know it's a, a challenge. It's, it's the ultimate challenge. But the bottom line is, what do you choose? You choose life or do you choose death? By passivity, by being dumbed down, by being a, a, a pessimist and a cynic or by actually dismissing conspiracy theories because you fed into the brainwash of the elite by calling it a conspiracy nut, you know? I mean, we have to try and overcome that. We're not probably going to reach uh, a lot of hardcore or the uh, ones living in fear uh, because they're afraid. And when you're, you become immobilized, in your fear, like a like the deer in the headlights, so to speak, and, and so, you know, unfortunately, there will be a lot of people that won't get it that will insist on living in their, you know, have their their head in the sand or in the hole and and be in the dark. And that's you know their lot in life, I guess. Um, but the bottom line is, if we don't do something, we know that that death is coming. So, and it could be the death of the human species, of our planet. That's how great it is. It could be absolute. So it is in terms of life or death. You choose life, and if you choose life, you have to have the conviction and the courage to take a stand. And I believe as times get worse, there's going to be more and more people that will become more fed up, more able to see the light, of the darkness that's been descended on us by this evil group of people and, and, and 
figure, well, I got nothing else to lose. I mean, I know where it's going, and I don't want to die, and so I got to fight for life. You know, that, that's what it's going to come down to. Um, you know, there's just a lot of people that are that are you know just oh I don't want to get hurt you know you know you can't reach them you can't reach them but there's going to be more and more as like the times get harder there are going to be more and more people that will see the light and then figure they got nothing left to lose and they may as well become activists for change for positive things and I think I believe that once we get going there will be a momentum of grassroots that will be basically embracing all the citizens of the world in unity and solidarity to actually act as one. Uh, I, I'm really counting on that to happen as our best shot at opposing the evil that we're up against. Well, it seems that the um, you know the lies are are just becoming increasingly more and more obvious. And, you know, they're so blatant. And you know, it seems that the United yeah. States is, is just acting out. You know, a lot of the, you know, their plans are, are falling apart. And, you know, the, the old ways that they that they had aren't working. So, you know, they're just like, they don't know what to do. So they're just going, it's basically like a, a free-for-all where they're, they're going nuts and saying really stupid things. So, you know, that, that kind of, it creates an opportunity um, in people to to see and recognize those things, or you know, from another percentage of the population, which I'm sure is significant, you know, they'll continue to to double down and you know stick their heels in the ground with a with a denial on it. So it does seem that you know, yeah. both on <clears throat> the global scale as well as individually, that you know there are these these polarizing forces where people are either choosing um, lies and death, as you say, or you know, choosing to you know try to engage in in life and in, in seeing you know what actually is, and and you know doing what they can to yeah to to talk about it, to see it, um, and to you know spread a little truth. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's, it's coming down to that, and I believe that that more and more. We'll see the light. It's going to take time to get worse for more people to come around to realizing what's going on. Uh, but you can bet that it's getting worse. So, so you know, the upshot of the silver lining of it getting worse is that more people will will see the reality. Uh, you know, so I, I have to be optimistic. I have to believe. You know, and, and the bottom line is, you know, it, it goes back to basically, you know, do you uh, accept doom and gloom as, as as the ultimate outcome where it doesn't matter what you do, what you what you try and accomplish? Uh, and if you end up accepting it, uh, the, 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 what will follow is, is a depression that will incapacitate you, you know? So, you know... It, and, and again, you know, I use the, the the bottom line reality of life or death. Death is basically depression. I mean, it's, it's you know on the way to, to death. Um, so you know, you, you got to believe that you know you can you can do what you can to resist and to oppose. 
and, and you know, and even if you die in the process, because that's really the bottom line. Also, is there is a risk involved, but then if you just play passive, you're going to die too. I mean, we can't get out of this world alive anyway, and the oppressors are coming after us. So, you know, you can oppose them actively, and, you know, if it means that you die in your opposition, you know, at least you hold your head up. I believe that in afterlife. And, you know, you hold your head up and you get the right thing. And I believe in karma. And, and so if you do the right thing, you know, Whatever life form takes us in, in the next uh, world, you know, you're going to be in a better place. Uh, whereas if you stick your head between your legs and pretend and, and live in fear or ignorance, uh, you know, I think there's a certain negative karma that you're going to take to wherever you go after this physical death occurs here. Um so I, I'd, I'd rather, you know, hold my head up in the next life rather than go there feeling shame. So, you know, and, and hopefully it won't come to that where we're, we're dying, but, but it could. Uh, and, and if we don't do anything, I, you know, it's a done deal that, that we're going to go that route because they, their agenda, you know, you know, the eugenic plan, you know, 90%. They want to wipe us down to about not half a million, maybe maybe up to a million, but there's 7.3 of us right now, 7.3 billion of us. So that's a lot of dead people they have on their agenda. And, uh, and with all the both soft and hard kill methods, and it looks like hard kill is, is going to become more pressing, uh, there's going to be a lot of death and destruction. So we've got to try and minimize it by, by taking some action and, and while we still can. So... Well, the alternative seems more in line with, um, you know, either yet really, you know, learning what it means to be alive and to live versus being, you know, even if there isn't the threat of uh, physical death, you know, the alternative is this this zombie living dead, you know, like do, do we want to walk around like zombies? And, you know, for, for us, yeah. you know, the, the answer is no. You know, we want to engage in life as much as possible. Yeah. Well, uh, unless it, you have something it's else almost to... Like, you know... Oh, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead, Joaquin. I was going to make reference to my favorite film of all time, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, where... The guy that brought life into this dead zone, they eventually got to. They lobotomized him. But at the end, the Indian basically chose to freedom, breaking through the walls of glass and getting out. And uh, and, and there was a, you know, despite, you know, old Jack Nicholson, you know, being the casualty, you know, there was that, that burst of inspiration at the end where at least somebody gets it and, and you know, their their mind is going to stay intact. They're not going to become zombified, walking dead like so many. Um, you know, and, and that's really kind of that, that metaphor 
is really, you know, anybody that is life, has life, has critical thinking, is willing to be a dissenter, you know, they want to silence. They want to silence. They, their, their enemy is the truth. So if you bring in life and bring in truth, uh, you are considered an enemy. And, uh, and so, but the, the thing that we got going for us is if enough of us unite, our truth, that's a, a quite a weapon that we can hold against the oppressors. Uh, and, and, and I think that we can all become like that uh, Native American at the end, where we are liberated um, as, as we form a movement together, empowered by truth. We can make a huge difference, much more than we even can even fathom at this point. Uh, and especially if, if the movement is globalized, which it has to be. It has to be a global movement because all of us are in it together. There are oppressive forces in all the governments that are moving in the current direction of one world government. Um, and so it's up to us as, as the citizens of the world to unite together to oppose it. Um, so... You know, it, it's, it's a choice, and that's that's how I, you know, when I talk to people, that's how I, I make it. It's a choice, and and it's and it's a choice of life and death. It has come to that, unfortunately. Choose life or choose death, and I choose life. So, and I know you guys do too. Well, we do, and uh, it, it's really very refreshing to. Uh, hear someone who shares so many of our thoughts and feelings on uh on these events of the day and and how to approach them Joaquin so uh we'd all like to thank you for uh spending this afternoon here uh on the truth perspective and um and for all your writing and uh and your pushing forward in in your emphatic style and your including all the context and and all the uh the, the many details and, and well-researched um, pieces that you um, there are people on uh, SOT who are chime in and are, are quite often very happy to read one of your pieces and um, we thank you for them and uh, hopefully in the not too distant future we can have you back on to uh, to reassess some of the events of the day um, and until then a, a big heartfelt thank you for uh, for being here Thank you guys very much. Uh, you know, I I, I'm re I really appreciate thought. Uh, you're a great uh, outlet of the truth too, and uh, and so you know together we can really bring on the changes that are necessary. Uh, so I applaud you, uh, and I and I'm grateful for your support. And thank you for having me. Great, thanks, Joaquim. Um, do you do we have time for one call? I think we might have a caller. Yeah, good? we should have time. Yeah. Okay. You, so, yeah. so caller, are you on the line? And yeah, yeah. If you, you are, hear me? Can you yeah. hear me? Who's this? Yes, we can. I, well, I just have a very quick comment because uh, I believe your guest there, may, he's probably from Germany. That's a German name anyway. And uh, had the previous caller talked about the uh, home flu of the cuckoo's nest. I've seen many times in my favorite movies. But here's the thing 
things. I lived in Ireland, and uh, we all know that they changed the endings of movies. We've heard about that. And in the American version, us Americans, we know that the Indian throws the big heavy block through the window, and he climbs out, the, climbs out, and he just lopes off in very slow motion, like I'm free, you know, very, very emotional. And in the European version, he just runs off. He just runs off at full speed, and he's gone. So that's just one thing I've always uh, I took note of how they changed it. and uh, they addressed that you know obviously addressed different audiences their different emotional makeups and so so on. In Europe he just breaks the window and he just runs off, and in America he lopes off real slow motion and you know so I just wanted to throw that in there. All right, well thank you. Okay. Okay. Anything else? Or is that it? No, that's it. I just uh, that's. I've had it for a long time. I had a chance to tell somebody. It might All right. Make some sense. Okay, well, thanks. Right. Yeah, thanks for All sharing. Right. That is interesting. Okay, okay. take care. Yeah, I, I didn't know that either, that they actually had two endings for different audiences. <laughs> well, it looks like we might have one more caller, so we're just going to go ahead and take it. So, caller, are you on the line? Uh, if you are, give us your name, hey where you're from. Hi. Uh, Andrew, Planet Earth. Um, <laughs> I'm just, uh, you know, thinking that there are so many opportunities to build things for communities, and if only people could, uh, in their local area or otherwise as groups on the internet, brainstorm the ideas and actually have regular meetings to implement things. I mean, just as you know, programmers build pieces of software. That's how people need to be able to change communities. You know, if you have a plan to change your water supply, plan to change your energy supply, plan to change your money supply, then you can implement the plan. But if you don't plan and work together as a team, then, you know, just like any startup company, it's never going to get off the ground. So, I mean, I, I would very good to know. I mean, sorry, go ahead. I said you're making very good points. Uh you know what we what we need to do is be able to organize better and network better so that all the local communities have all the resources necessary for them to be able to work with themselves to be able to you know have the free energy and and live the independent life yeah. away from the oppressed centralized power system yeah. uh you know so yeah you you're making a lot of sense and this is what we need to do that's our challenge yeah, so what do you think we should do? I mean, you've got the SOTT.net, but I really feel that, unfortunately, the um, <coughs> excuse me, the, the kind of uh, forum that people want to use, you know, it's more real-time these days. It's more Google, Google Hangouts and, and stuff like that as opposed to writing blog entries. I mean, I think people want to speak in real-time when they do their meetings and, uh, you know, be able to mobilize in ways where... I mean, I think that especially in the poorer communities, uh, in the United States, you guys are in a good position to do it uh, because people do have Internet access, but a lot of people, you know, they, they don't have jobs or they don't have um, – they've, they've got an incentive to work together. Whereas in the more affluent areas, you know, people are fairly comfortable. It's like you've got your big screen TV, you've got your, uh, you know uh, – Everything that you need and and you know, disposable income and then it's sort of like it's like oh do I really want to go to the meeting or do I really want to log in and talk about the politics? I think for a lot of people it's just you know the complacency is easy. So 
you know, the thing is you have to, I suppose, find ways to make people aware enough to the point that they actually tune into a meeting. And you could probably have groups of around 25 to 30 people in each meeting. You do it. You could do it block by block. You could do it uh, town by town, city by city. Yeah, I, I believe totally. We got to do it locally. We're we're able to give the tools on the internet and and be able to do software and and, and educate people and to, in the process of organizing. But the the ground level work is done in the local communities. So. You know that's where the programs are implemented. The information can come, you know, through the internet and more central sources and distributed. And, and we need to just work on being able to uh, to support each other at the local level. Uh, so, uh, do you guys think that an app is in order, or some kind of a uh, way to, like, inside of that app, actually? gauge the threat level to community? Like, in other words, what's your stability level? And you can see how autonomous are you? How uh, free are you in terms of if there was an upheaval or if even now with taxation and that kind of stuff, it's like how how viable would it be? And you could have a five-year and a 10-year trajectory on the app and, and you could actually see, okay, this is the steps that would be needing to be taken to be able to get out of the taxation on uh, refuse removal out of the taxation on energy, out of the taxation on water, because you know, and you like got to form your own coalition or own group, uh, group of people that would say, okay, we're fighting for the right to self-determine our water usage. We're fighting for the right to self, and as a town or as a, uh, you know, a group of farmers or a, you know, whatever. Because what it all just comes down to is, as soon as people get uh, wealthy, healthy, and, and strong enough to fend for themselves and with the innovation technologies to fend for themselves, then you can turn around. I mean, when you've got your militia and they've got their own little tanks and stuff, you to turn around and say, listen, federal government, <laughs> we outnumber you a thousand militaries to one. Leave us alone. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, yeah, I think, I, I, I think some, Andrew, exactly. I think some of... Um, some of what you had, addre had addressed um, last week uh, on Behind the Headlines, um, uh, Joe, Joe had um, hinted at, uh, actually he, he kind of pointed to um, the, the forum um, that uh, many of us uh, are aware of and participate in, uh, which is international and, and permits individuals uh, from whatever time zone they live in to chime in and with their feedback and um, certainly there are a lot of advantages in, uh, in talking in real time and Skyping and doing that face-to-face -face organization. Yeah. Um, the, 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 I think, um, and, and your ideas are certainly uh, really constructive. The challenge comes in, you know, there's so many issues um, in organizations and, uh, and, and so many people in various places that um, you know, we each have to kind of choose our battles uh, carefully, given the amounts of um, energy and, and time that we have available to us. Um, I but, think that uh, the key will be coming from the startup community. Like, if you look at the investors out there, like uh, you could even go to someone like uh, uh, Donald Trump, for that matter, or maybe he's not the best example. Uh, you know, you could go to someone like Elon Musk. I mean, Elon Musk already said, let me run Detroit. The guy's a multi-billionaire. You know, his, his total income is probably more than a lot of small countries. So, 
you know, he he's the kind of guy that would be able to say, oh, okay, yeah, no, we could totally build like a self-sustainable grid for you. Sure, no problem, guys. You know, approach approaches like sort of lower downs instead of going to uh, to the higher up and trying to contact him directly. Say like, look, we'd like to make a proposal for like, let's say you live in Detroit, or let's say that you live in, uh, uh, even if you live in Connecticut, it's like we'd like to get like every block, every to- every uh, you know uh, block of houses we want solar panels. You know, or you could be saying, okay, maybe you live in Oregon in like a less affluent area or something, you know, or like outside Seattle somewhere where it's a bit run down. Uh, and you say, okay, well, let's turn this whole place into sustainable into a sustainable region. You got to go to someone like Elon Musk because he'll be like, you need an app developed to be able to organize yourselves. No problem. I could donate a few million to that. And you don't just go to Elon Musk. Hey. I mean, you go to like, okay, let's look at a thousand a thousand uh, startup guys that we could approach to try and build apps for this particular purpose and put money behind, you know, changing the the landscape. I think what well, you're talking yeah. about is, is in process right now. You know, there are tools being made available for local communities. There's models that are now being developed and, and then become available for local populations to utilize. There's going to be more experts coming up in these areas to implement the various innovative projects that can be implemented locally. All of this stuff is in process right now. It's going to become more formalized and structured and, and, you know, hopefully distributed and available more and more as time goes on. We have to act fast, but I think, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. And, and, you know, it's being very constructively talked about right now. And, you know, from the talking stage to the the action stage, it's happening. So I'm optimistic about all this. Awesome. I'd love to hear more about those. If you've got any name brands or anything like that, uh, about like maybe any, you know, I think that the smartest grid that you can have is the one that your local community runs. Just just <laughs> putting it out there. If you want to have a smart grid, it ain't smart to have somebody else running it. So I'd be interested to hear if there's any brands out there and people that are building their own smart grids. Joaquim, do you have any info on that? Well, I, I know that the, the Oath Keepers are, are pretty actively involved in, in you know, grassroots, community-level, uh, you know, how to become more independent and resourceful. Um, they're pretty good about that. Uh, that's the first one that I can think of. Uh, but, yeah, this, this is an area where, you know, the, the tools by which we're able to implement this all needs to be uh, brought to, to availability for all communities, and there's a lot of education. Now, of course, the, the centralized power structure will, you know, try and impede this progress. But, but uh, you know, the internet is a wonderful tool. We still got it, so you know, we need to rapidly mobilize it. Basically. I think what's also needed is like an online voting system, so that people can vote on like a localized level. You have to have a uh, effective authentication system for mobile phones where people could vote. But, like, you could see in real time people voting for, like, the the, the people that are getting elected, like, without having to go to the voting booths and, and build this, like, super secure, maybe based on the blockchain or something like that, system for voting. And you could vote on issues like water rights, etc. And just, like, people could just look into it and see this overwhelming majority of people on this crypto network 
that's highly secure, that gives accurate results, that people are like actually against Hillary for president or whatever, or like people are actually really against the federal government coming in and like digging holes for uh, or whatever fracking, you know, <laughs> it's it, that would be a really cool tool. Like, you know, truevotes.com or something, get the app, you know, and then you can like thumb scan or something on your phone to be able to, in the future maybe, uh, to be able to, uh, you know, and, and face, face scan and thumb scan to be able to show that this is me voting and I say, you know, no for big government. <laughs> All right, well, well we're... We're going a bit over time here, so thanks for the call, Andrew. Right, we'll guys. look forward to Thank talking you. to you in the future sometime. All right, take care. Cool. Well. well, on that note, I Andrew had a good idea. Yeah. Yes, he's a very constructive fellow and, and uh, always calls in with uh, ideas about how to, um, how to implement or uh, at least where we need to begin to start uh, in these areas. Uh, so we appreciate your call, Andrew. And uh, to our first caller, whose name I don't think we got, thank you for calling in. Um, and uh, once again, Joaquin, uh, thank you uh, for being with us here today. And um, I want to thank our chatters and all our listeners out there. And uh, I think um, I think taking a lot of what you've said today to, to heart, uh, Joaquin is, um, good to go. um, just want to remind everyone that tomorrow we have the behind the headlines show at its new time, uh, 12 noon Eastern standard time, uh, next week, uh, on Friday at 10 AM. Don't forget to tune in to the health and wellness show. They had an excellent program yesterday on willpower. If you haven't caught it yet, do so. It's really quite interesting. And uh, and that's it. Uh, we wish you all a, a safe and happy and wise week ahead, and uh, keep safe. Thanks, uh, thanks everybody, and thank you, Joaquin. It was great talking with you. Yeah, good afternoon. All right. Thank you, guys. All right. Thank you, guys, and power to the people. Amen. All right. Take care, Joaquin. <laughs> All right, bye-bye.